Section 9 of the Essays of Samuel Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Essays of Samuel Johnson, Section 9. The Anxieties of Literature, Not Less Than Those of Public Stations. The Inequality of Authors' Writings. Tuesday, May the 29th, 1750. Terra salutifera serba se adum quenocentes nutrit, et utica proxima saipe rosa est, ovid. Albain and physic, the same earth bestows, and near the noisome nettle blooms the rose. Every man is prompted by the love of himself to imagine that he possesses some qualities superior, either in kind or in degree, to those which he sees allotted to the rest of the world, and whatever apparent disadvantages he may suffer in the comparison with others, he has some invisible distinctions, some latent reserve of excellence, which he throws into the balance, and by which he generally fancies that it is turned in his favour. The studious and speculative part of mankind always seem to consider their fraternity as placed in a state of opposition to those who are engaged in the tumult of public business, and have pleased themselves from age to age with celebrating the felicity of their own condition, and with recounting the perplexity of politics, the dangers of greatness, the anxieties of ambition, and the miseries of riches. Among the numerous topics of declamation that their industry has discovered on this subject, there is none which they press with greater efforts, or on which they have more copiously laid out their reason and their imagination, than the instability of high stations, and the uncertainty with which the profits and honours are possessed, that must be acquired with so much hazard, vigilance, and labour. This they appear to consider as an irrefragable argument against the choice of the statesman and the warrior, and swell with confidence of victory thus furnished by the muses with the arms which never can be blunted, and which no art or strength of their adversaries can elude or resist. It was well known by experience to the nations which employed elephants in war that though by the terror of their bulk and the violence of their impression they often threw the enemy into disorder, yet there was always danger in the use of them very nearly equivalent to the advantage, for if their first charge could be supported, they were easily driven back upon their confederates. They then broke through the troops behind them and made no less havoc in the precipitation of their retreat than in the fury of their onset. I know not whether those who have so vehemently urged the inconveniencies and danger of an act of life have not made use of arguments that may be retorted with equal force upon themselves, and whether the happiness of a candidate for literary fame be not subject to the same uncertainty with that of him who governs provinces, commands armies, presides in the senate, or dictates in the cabinet, that eminence of learning 
is not to be gained without labour at least equal to that which any other kind of greatness can require will be allowed by those who wish to elevate the character of a scholar since they cannot but know that every human acquisition is valuable in proportion to the difficulty employed in its attainment and that those who have gained the esteem and veneration of the world by their knowledge or their genius are by no means exempt from the solicitude which any other kind of dignity produces may be conjectured from the innumerable artifices which they make use of to degrade a superior to repress a rival or obstruct a follower artifices so gross and mean as to prove evidently how much a man may excel in learning without being either more wise or more virtuous than those whose ignorance he pities or despises nothing therefore remains by which the student can gratify his desire of appearing to have built his happiness on a more firm basis than his antagonist except the certainty with which his honours are enjoyed the garlands gained by the heroes of literature must be gathered from summits equally difficult to climb with those that bear the civic or triumphal wreaths they must be worn with equal envy and guarded with equal care from those hands that are always employed in efforts to tear them away the only remaining hope is that their verdure is more lasting and that they are less likely to fade by time or less obnoxious to the blast of accident even this hope will receive very little encouragement from the examination of the history of learning or observation of the fate of scholars in the present age if we look back into past times we find innumerable names of authors once in high reputation read perhaps by the beautiful quoted by the witty and commented on by the grave but whom we now know only that they once existed if we consider the distribution of literary fame in our own time we shall find it a possession of very uncertain tenure sometimes bestowed by a sudden caprice of the public and again transferred to a new favourite for no other reason than that he is new sometimes refused to long labour and eminent desert and sometimes granted to very slight pretensions lost sometimes by security and negligence and sometimes by too diligent endeavours to retain it a successful author is equally in danger of the diminution of his fame whether he continues or ceases to write the regard of the public is not to be kept but by tribute and the remembrance of past service will quickly languish unless successive performances frequently revive it yet in every new attempt there is new hazard and there are few who do not at some unlucky time injure their own characters by attempting to enlarge them there are many possible causes of that inequality which we may so frequently observe in the performances of the same man 
from the influence of which no ability or industry is sufficiently secured and which have so often sullied the splendour of genius that the wit as well as the conqueror may be properly cautioned not to indulge his pride with too early triumphs but to defer to the end of his life his estimate of happiness ultima semper expectanda dies omni dici que beatus ante obitum nemo suprema que funera debit but no frail man however great or high can be concluded blessed before he die addison among the motives that urge an author to undertakings by which his reputation is impaired one of the most frequent must be mentioned with tenderness because it is not to be counted among his follies but his miseries it very often happens that the works of learning or of wit are performed at the direction of those by whom they are to be rewarded the writer has not always the choice of his subject but is compelled to accept any task which is thrown before him without much consideration of his own convenience and without time to prepare himself by previous studies miscarriages of this kind are likewise frequently the consequence of that acquaintance with the great which is generally considered as one of the chief privileges of literature and genius a man who has once learned to think himself exalted by familiarity with those whom nothing but their birth or their fortunes or such stations as are seldom gained by moral excellence set above him will not be long without submitting his understanding to their conduct he will suffer them to prescribe the course of his studies and employ him for their own purposes whether of diversion or interest his desire of pleasing those whose favour he has weakly made necessary to himself will not suffer him always to consider how little he is qualified for the work imposed either his vanity will tempt him to conceal his deficiencies or that cowardice which always encroaches fast upon such as spend their lives in the company of persons higher than themselves will not leave him resolution to assert the liberty of choice though we suppose that a man by his fortune can avoid the necessity of dependence and by his spirit can repel the usurpations of patronage yet he may easily by writing long happen to write ill there is a general succession of events in which contraries are produced by periodical vicissitudes labour and care are rewarded with success success produces confidence confidence relaxes industry and negligence ruins that reputation which accuracy had raised he that happens not to be lulled by praise into supineness may be animated by it to undertakings above his strength or incited to fancy himself alike qualified for every kind of composition and able to comply with the public taste through all its variations by some opinion like this 
many men have been engaged at an advanced stage in attempts which they had not time to complete and after a few weak efforts sunk into the grave with vexation to see the rising generation gain ground upon them from these failures the highest genius is not exempt that judgment which appears so penetrating when it is employed upon the works of others very often fails where interest or passion can exert their power we are blinded in examining our own labours by innumerable prejudices our juvenile compositions please us because they bring to our mind the remembrance of youth our later performances we are ready to esteem because we are unwilling to think that we have made no improvement what flows easily from the pen charms us because we read with pleasure that which flatters our opinion of our own powers what was composed with great struggles of the mind we do not easily reject because we cannot bear that so much labour should be fruitless but the reader has none of these prepossessions and wonders that the author is so unlike himself without considering that the same soil will with different culture afford different products End of section 9